Hey everybody, welcome to episode 29 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and our guest this week, Sean Lanyi, is one of the Golf Channel Academy's lead coaches. He is a PGA Class A member, was recognized by Golf Digest as one of the best young teachers in America. U.S. Kids Golf recognized him as a master kids teacher in the USA. So he works with a lot of top-ranked junior players, college players and professional players around the country and around the world. Um, Sean's a great guy, really well-rounded coach. He's a short game expert. Uh, he is certified as a level three aim point express and putt doctor instructor. He is a blast golf certified instructor, body track certified instructor, as well as a TPI golf fitness certified instructor. So like I said, very well-rounded, uh, brings a lot to his students that he works with uh, in the game just across multiple different levels. So really excited to have him on. Um, a little bit about his background. Sean attended the Professional Golfers Career College where he earned a degree in Professional Golf Management, which is now known as PGA Golf Management. Uh, he started as an assistant professional at Oak Creek in Irvine, California, where he got plugged into Golf Channel's Drive, Chip, and Putt. He then went on to be the first assistant and tournament coordinator at Black Golf Golf Club. Uh, he won his first professional tournament on the Butch Harmon Tour uh, before he ultimately decided to pursue teaching full-time after having to go through some reconstructive surgery on his elbow. Um, tough break there, but Sean went on to uh, take his talents out to Hawaii, where he spent some time at Kapalua Golf Academy, then went on to be the PGA Director of Instruction at Ko'olina Golf Club. Um, after that, he made a move back to the uh, continental U.S., I guess you would say, where he became the head instructor of the PGA Tour Academy at TPC Las Vegas, uh, then went on to spend some time at Jack Nicklaus Academy of Golf uh, before ultimately started his own instruction business and joined efforts with the Golf Channel Academy. So um, as you can tell, Sean has been around. He's bounced up and down uh, California, out to Hawaii, uh, resides now in the Pacific Northwest. So a lot of really good experience, um, great background, great certifications, obviously. Uh, I think his resume speaks for himself. And, you know, he's going to walk through his story with us a little bit in, in our chat, you know, once we get to that. But um, had a really good time talking to him. I think that he's doing a lot for the game, uh, really bringing a lot of value to young players, uh, helping them develop through their careers, up through college, into professional golf. In our conversation specifically, we're going to dive a little bit into aim point. We're going to talk about um, Folds of Honor and Patriot Golf Schools, which is something that Sean is super passionate about. I'm uh, just going to talk a little bit about some online instruction. You know, Sean's on the move, so he does a lot of stuff remotely, you know, working with players, staying plugged in, using technology. We're going to talk about some of that stuff. Um, Sean played some ice hockey growing up, multiple sports. We're going to talk about some transferable skills. Um, we're going to talk about young players, how they learn, learning in layers, uh, different stuff like that. So um, really had a great conversation with Sean. Appreciate him jumping on. I, would, I do want to point out um, about halfway through, we've got about six or seven minutes where uh, we've got a little bit of in and out with the audio. So uh, it's not much, you know, in, in the big scheme of things when you look at the whole interview. Uh, but there is a little blurb in there, you know, where there is some cutting in and out. So tried to clean it up the best I could. Wanted to leave it in there, though, just because there's a couple things that he jumps into that I think are important for this conversation and context moving forward uh, with our talk. So um, just want to say thank you to you guys as the listeners. Also, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, week after week, you know, this thing's growing a lot and uh, it's all because of you. It's because of you listening. It's because of you sharing it uh, with people that you know, uh, people that you think would take some value away from this. I would encourage everybody to connect with me. Uh, you can do that a few different ways. Uh, you can email me at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. Uh, you can connect with us on Twitter 
on Instagram, on LinkedIn. All the handles on those platforms are Junior Golf Keys, spelled K-I-E-S, just like the podcast. Um, so I'd encourage you guys to do that because I love hearing feedback. I love understanding you know, what's important to you so that I can continue to find guests. They're going to fill some gaps and help you guys um, you know, as you navigate your junior golf careers, whether you're a player uh, and you're looking for some tips, you know, as you're moving through your career or you're a parent and you're trying to figure out how to take your child through a journey in junior golf uh, that's going to give them a really good experience in the game. Um, you know, I just want to hear from you guys and understand what you're looking for so that I can continue to provide that value. So really appreciate you tuning in. You guys sit tight. I'll be right back with our guest this week, Sean Lanyi. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. I've got a great guest for us this week in Sean Lanyi, who is the uh, golf, co- or golf Channel Academy lead coach. Um, Sean, I got you on the phone. How's it going, man? Pleasure to be on here. I know uh, a lot of my, my players uh, follow this uh, podcast and certainly just look forward to the opportunity just to chit-chat about a couple ideas that uh, could potentially help uh, other players and juniors and parents uh, take their games to a new level. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to diving in with you. Um, It's funny, I've had actually a little bit of back and forth with uh, some of the folks that you work with. Just, you know, it's fun to kind of gain perspective about people through others' eyes, you know, who have a little bit of a closer relationship. So, um, you know, I've had some of those messages back and forth and definitely people that, Appreciate your work and everything that you're doing. Um, you're a PGA Class A member. Um, you've got a lot of designations and you're uh, traveling a lot, you know, working with a lot of different players from juniors to college and professionals. Um, can you just kind of jump in and give this audience a little bit of context around your background and how'd you get started in golf? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, I started off um, from a ice hockey perspective, realized I can't continue to get knocked around and get concussions. So I got into something a little less physical and, uh, golf was, uh, basically pushed my way, uh, suggested my way by, you know, my folks, but I, I didn't really pick golf up. It didn't really become a passion until my, you know, the toss up between my junior and senior in high school, I was five foot, nothing, a hundred pounds, 120 pounds. I was a tiny little runt and you know, golf for me, it was like, okay, well, it's an individual sport. I came from team sports. Uh, it taught me some pretty good lessons right from the get-go that, you know, I had to, um, you know, I had to have some, some basic skills. I had to have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of hand um, uh, awareness to square the face up. I had to have a little bit of use in my feet to turn and pivot and create some speed. And, you know, I just put it together. I found there was a passion in, in the game and, you know, I had some really good friends I grew up with that were tremendous players. Um, you know, my tutor, uh, Ryan, well, uh, Kathy Donovan was actually the mother who was tutoring me. And Ryan Donovan was, uh, let's just say he was a, uh, he was just a fantastic high school player. He went on to play, uh, four years at San Diego state. I followed him a lot. Um, he kind of showed me the ropes. Uh, his parents were golf nuts. I became a golf nut. And next thing you know, um, you know, Ryan went out and played on the Canadian tour. He played all over in the, on the gateway tour. I just followed uh, his pursuit. And obviously I did that myself. I went and played college golf in San Diego myself, Um, you know, pursued playing uh, for my first few years after college, putting myself in a position to, you know, go play the Canadian, the, the gateway, the Butch Harmon tour, the golden state tour. I mean, I played anything and everything I can get my hands on and, I had success. I had one, one win. And that was probably my one, you know, great moment that I had. I came home and I started kind of acquiring a pretty serious elbow injury. And that just kind of took my focus away from the playing for a living to, okay, you know what, I'm going to make an impact on golfers and I'm going to build a golf instruction business. And at this point I was probably 20, I don't know, 22, 23. I was out of college a couple of years. And I just had the opportunity to go, you know, work in Hawaii and uh, learn from somebody who could teach me a bunch of stuff that I just didn't flat out know. I didn't understand the, the cause and effect. I didn't know how to communicate effectively about uh, the golf swing. 
And, you know, I think now it's um, as my career's progressed, I went from, you know, Hawaii, I went from working at the Kapalua Resort and running my own academy at Koalina on the west side of Oahu. And I think the most important thing that I realize is, you know, then, uh, you know, having opportunities come my way because of my hard work and, you know, having the opportunity to go work uh, at the PGA Tour Academy in Las Vegas, teaming up with the uh, Nicholas Academy at Dragon Ridge. I continue to have all these people that got involved in shaping my career, and I think that was an important part. So yeah. I'm very lucky on that behalf. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're, you're bouncing back and forth. I mean, what is your schedule like on a weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, when I'm home up in Portland, Oregon, um, a lot of the times it's, it's playing golf. It's uh, helping maybe a dozen players. Uh, and I, I, have, I have two facilities that I coach at uh, in the Northwest. I have Langdon Farms Golf Club, which is a, it's a fantastic uh, OB sports property in South Portland. Um, I am probably down there three days a week. Um, I'm up in uh, Tri-Mountain Golf Course, which is in Ridgefield, Washington, which is just north of Portland, Oregon. And, yeah. you know, I, I live close to that golf course, kind of in the Ridgefield area. So, you know, for me, uh, when I'm home, I, you know, I know my wife's happier when I'm home. Um, sure. Because I can, I can help out with a lot of stuff. She's 17 weeks pregnant. So we're, uh, you know, we're pretty pumped for having a baby boy in, in early August. And uh, uh, congratulations. Future, future Masters champion. Hopefully. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But, Got that uh, plan all written out. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to put, just like uh, hopefully some of the parents are going to be listening, I'm not going to put any extra pressure on on my wife's girls or this young man that comes into the world. Um, you know, they have to, they have to choose to golf. They have to choose to, you know, want to wake up, you know, the one kid, uh, that I know you probably follow quite a bit. Macklin is a uh, four-year-old turning five on, I want to say March 19th. He's a kid I've worked with for a year. His family's tremendous. He's tremendous, but you know, we've, we've taught him the skill set. Now he knows how to putt and chip and hit full shots. But now we're like, I mean, the other day we spent, I think, an hour and 40 minutes and we just literally just played golf and we, you know, we, we went toe to toe for scoops of ice cream. And, you know, it was, <laughs> it was fun. And not, not many uh, four or five year olds give me a run for my money from 150 yards, but this kid can, he can get it done. Now he's learning the mental side, how to overcome uh, the ups and downs, the good shots and the bad shots, because there's going to be a lot more bad shots than good shots that he experiences in his life. So, um, yeah. you know, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, when I travel, uh, to wrap up that final question you asked me, I, I travel to Las Vegas. I, I teach a variety of high school and college players at Red Rock Country Club and you know, my, my main home that I really do uh, really coach a lot out of is Southern California. That's where I think I've, I've, if I've made a name for myself, I'm a pretty humble guy, but I, um, I feel like I have been very blessed with a lot of really talented players. Um, Aliyah Abdulghani is uh, a junior at USC uh, on the women's team. Gabby Ruffles on the USC women's team I work with. And quite yeah. frankly, I've got like this this list of players who they're all kind of in this like this crucial time where they're just going into college and some of these players are just leaving college, deciding on whether they're going to play tour golf. And, you know, it's a pretty emotional position for these players to be in because, you know, obviously they, you know, they put a lot into their game. They compete at high levels. So, um, you know, I'm very blessed that I, you know, had the chance to work with them and, um, you know, I can, I can do a couple things when I travel where I'm down there in California for two days and in Vegas for two days and I come home and I'm home for, you know, a week. Next week, I go to uh, Princeville. We're teaching at the uh, Princeville Mackay course. And, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to making an impact. I mean, really, any golfer that comes with me, I think, can honestly say that I just try to make an impact, a positive impact on their performance, whether it's, you know, with technology or, or learning aim point and having a green reading system and, and uh, just challenging them, challenging them in a fun way. Yeah, for sure. Well, I follow you along. You know, we've connected on social media and uh, you know, I love watching all the stuff that you put up there and, you know, I've had some back and forth with Macklin's family and, you know, that's kind of cool to hear from them, you know, just their perspective on working with you and having fun and keeping the game fun and, uh, you know, just continuing to develop, yeah. uh, which is really cool. And, you know, 
uh, I know of Gabby. I know more of uh, her brother, Ryan, but, right. um, you know, he's playing out on the Corn Ferry Tour now. Uh, but Gabby had a heck of a year last year, too, didn't she? Yeah, she sure did. We're, so. we're fairly new. I've, uh, I was introduced to her through Aaliyah. We went through about three hours of coaching with one another. Uh, obviously, the last two months, she's done some pretty remarkable things, as Aaliyah yeah. has. Aaliyah won the Australian Masters and. You know, Gabby's, I think, had uh, two back-to-back uh, individual wins at the NCAA, you know, Division One level. So, I yep. mean, there's there's some crazy things that are going on. She's That was her first lesson she ever took. And, you know, we we kept it pretty clean in the beginning, very simple. We got into some routine stuff. I showed her some elements of, of you know, the technology I use that kind of relates to her putting. But, I mean, probably a very much a, you know, coming from a tennis background, I, I really feel like for her, it was just, you know, it's just painting a picture on, you know, what her tendencies are, what her, what her tendencies are that she can control. So, I mean, it's sure. pretty neat to work with a player like that, but it's really no different than Macklin, you know, a four-year-old, yeah. she has to be spoken to in a, you know, a respectable coaching manner and it has to be relevant. It has to be relevant based off what she struggles with. And so, I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's always a great thing. Um, I appreciate all the, all the great feedback you do provide some for some of those players and parents out there. Cause I know the players and the, and the parents, they need guidance. Uh, the parents need to understand their role, uh, which is so crucial. It's so crucial for a lot of, you know, different reasons. So. Yeah, for sure. And I want to get your perspective on, you know, parent roles, but um, yeah, just to hit on that. I mean, and just speaking to the audience for a second, you know, I really appreciate you guys connecting with us. It's, uh, you know, like you said, Sean, it's fun to see messages from people uh, that you're helping them out, that you're guiding them, um, that, you know, I'm able to bring people like you onto the show and, you know, lean into your expertise and stuff like that is, um, you know, just really solid for this group of people. And, you know, you've been recognized by Golf Digest and U.S. Kids, you know, from a from a young teaching perspective. Like, can you talk a little bit about just your passion for coaching young players? Yeah, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, building skill sets, um, you know, we hear, we hear, you know, that term skill building all the time, especially in, in just golf instruction, but, you know, a, a player, regardless of their age, um, has to learn in layers. And I, I take that approach. I, I feel like, you know, a, a player who uh, is just starting off maybe has a little bit of interest on their behalf just on their own not mom and dad driving them to the golf course and saying you got to get out and practice the kids that you know they want to get out there they want to go you know putt and work on their chipping game and learn how to hit bunker shots well if they have that interest yet they don't have the skill set um my approach is you know i mean obviously they have to learn how to make a motion so a lot of the times i'll i'll teach them the motion of how the club moves back how the club moves through the impact pack that the club makes on the turf or lack thereof and you know then we add layers to it then we eventually maybe teach them the right way to hold on to the golf club so they can you know they can hinge and they can create speed better um you know in Macklin's case our first lesson to be quite honest with you was it was like probably a 30 I don't know 38 degree day it was it was windy on the back of the range at, at Langdon Farms. It was an absolute miserable <laughs> condition for him to learn in. But, yeah. you know, we, I mean, I think we were out there for 45 minutes. He's three and a half. And we just absolutely, you know, we just tackled it. And, you know, he was, he was all about it. And I saw there was a light bulb that went off and I saw some interest and the condition sucked. But at the end of the day, like all we did is we gave him little layers to add on to his already kind of interested mindset in golf. And you know what, I, again, what I mean by layers, it's like layers of learning and I'm not going to throw the whole, you know, the whole boatload of, of my knowledge at him because I want him to know everything. He has to learn in phases. And I think like the vast majority of, of junior golfers, um, whether they're taking a half hour or hour lesson or a group class, um, you know, the, 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 the experience really does need to be centered around giving them time to retain and then give some games, give some challenges, uh, provide them with a, what, what us kids golf calls a game-based learning opportunity so that they can actually learn in some sort of challenging environment that's rewarding. 
And it's, yeah. it's giving them some verification, like, okay, you know what? I was able to do this well, so I can actually see the benefit of that. And, you know, again, Matt, I think the biggest thing is just making an impact. I mean, that's probably my, my philosophy with, with all players is, uh, it, you know, if, if I'm not feeling a hundred percent or if I'm feeling tired because of my travel, you know, and I've got a player in front of me that the one thing I simply always tell myself is, you know, I've got a, a duty and a job. I have to make an impact on this player. They're coming to me for some sort of advice. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta answer the bell and you gotta give, you know, every single player, um, you know, that type of treatment and respect and guidance and, and I think it goes a long way when, when a player, you know, really does feel like, okay, my, my game was impacted in a positive way. And I feel like I, I have something really tangible to take away from my coaching session today. Um, so I, I think that's, that's kind of the best, best way that I can answer that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a super respectable approach. So, I mean, I think that's awesome because I think it was like Michael Jordan that said something about, you know, these guys paid for tickets. So you got to show up every time. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. Um, you yeah. got to go out there and perform and give it your best effort. So probably butchering the words a little bit, but uh, something along those lines. Well, isn't that true? Like, I mean, him and I think him and Kobe have both played with like the, with flu like symptoms. I mean, that's, oh yeah, that's just what like legends, you know, legends do. I'm not even yeah. putting myself in that position. I don't know if I'd be helping players, but with the flu, but, or the, you know, the, all these viruses that are going around, but yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty admirable for sure. Yeah. Um, so you talk about learning in layers and you talked a little bit about um, hockey, you know, growing up something I've talked to quite a bit on this show. I just think it's such an important topic is um, transferable skills and multi-sport athletes um, just kind of curious what your thoughts are in that regard and, you know, how multi-sport athletes can adapt well to golf and maybe some sports that there are some really good transferable skills for the game of golf. Yeah. I mean, obviously that is, I, I think so simple in regards to taking a player and moving them into a position where, you know, they played hockey or they played tennis, they played some sort of sport, which was what Stan Utley calls a side on game. And, you know, when, when you're standing aside a golf ball, it's very similar to the the way that you're hitting a hockey puck or a tennis ball. And, you know, obviously there are some other sports, baseball, uh, it's just a little bit different posture. So if you can relate those things, I think there was so much fear for so many years with baseball players and golfers because the baseball swing would mess up the golf swing and vice versa. The golf swing would mess up the baseball swing. And I, I think that's absolutely garbage, to be honest with you. The player just has yeah. to learn like baseball, they're just standing straight up and they're resting their hands and arms and they're swinging out in front of them on more of, I'd consider that more of a horizontal swing plane. It's sure, you know, it's not perfectly horizontal, but you know, all, all the golfer does is they, they hip hinge and they bend forward at their knees and their hips. And now that golf club's swinging on an inclined plane or a little bit of a tilted circle. And uh, you know, honestly, if, if, a if a player, which I, like Macklin, I'm going to go back to that, that knucklehead. He literally, uh -huh. he literally is a stud basketball player and I would never want his parents. And I've told Larry this all the time, but I mean, let him shine, let him be a basketball player, let him uh, be a dancer like his sisters are and develop those skills. I mean, they're on the, their whole family's on the Disney fam fam jam. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Macklin probably is one of the studs in that show with his sisters because his sisters are all like phenoms in regards to dance, but all that does, it just, it just kind of opens up a, a kid's creativity. And then when they come back to golf, they're like fresh, they're excited about golf. They're not just like, okay, I have to golf every single day this week. And next thing you know, the parents start becoming more, less of a support system and more of a, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And, you know, eventually the kid, you know, they kind of phase out and they lose interest and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was talking with Andrew Novak, uh, who just won his first corn Ferry tour event a couple of weeks ago, the tournament that I'm involved with the uh, Lee Com Suncoast classic down in Florida. And we were talking about basketball cause he played a lot of basketball growing up. And it's interesting. One of the things outside of like the skill set, you talk about the mental game, um, and you're kind of getting into that with Macklin a little bit. One of the things that Andrew referred to was 
it conditioned him, you know, playing basketball in an, in an arena or in a gym with a lot of people conditioned him for being out on the golf course and playing in front of people. Mm. So, you know, just from the standpoint of like, you know, conditioning your mind that way, um, there's a lot of both skill set and mental, I think, transferable skills that come out of different sports as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And, it, and you're talking about, you know, and the, the, the ability like to relate you know, relate uh, downward attack angles, hitting a uh, hitting a wrist shot or a slap shot in hockey and being able to actually feel like you can do that in a certain uh, shot related to golf. I mean, I, I think those those definitely relate. And I, I think the adversity, too. I mean, when, a, you know, when you're playing a, a team sport, when you're playing hockey, I mean, I ended my hockey career on kind of a sour note with some pretty nasty hits but we also had some really big losses and I just remember like you know that didn't sit well with me and then I went to the game of golf and I'm sorry but I did not hit every shot perfect uh I hit a lot I hit a lot of shots sideways and you know I had to have an open mindset like okay I got to be fairly creative with how I get things going in the right direction I have to I have to find creative ways to hit a shot through a tree curve it from left to right control the golf ball, then I have to actually go up near the green and I have to like chip it. I, I can't just expect it's going to be on the green every time. I have to get creative with sure. my shot selection and, you know, the trajectory the ball flies and how the ball lands and how am I going to get it to spin? That's all centered around great technique. You can't fake technique, good or bad technique, especially when it comes to putting and short game. I feel like you can, you know, you could have a variety of ways that you make a full swing. You can get the job done. But when it comes to, like, putting and, and short game shots, I feel like, you know, players really do have to have a very, like, sound, fundamental approach to how they're hitting those shots or they're going to have uh, kind of an array of results. And, you know, if you have an array sure. of results, you're super inconsistent with your with your putting and your, and your short game, you're going to be in trouble. It's going to be a tough, tough day on the golf course. Yeah. And I mean, when you're talking about creative shots, you know, you really are an artist out there on the golf course. So it's like, you know, how can you, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie seven days in utopia, but there's a scene in that movie where Robert Duvall has him, uh, the player paint a picture of hitting it around the tree, uh, visualizing that shot, getting creative with it and then executing the shot at the end. So, I mean, uh, you've got to have all those things working for you, right? The skill set, the creative piece to be able to visualize, you know, those shots, you know, how do people develop those skills? hundred percent. I, I think, you know, I've, I've worked a lot with Dr. Craig Farnsworth, which is my mentor, probably one of the guys that have made a huge impact on, on my career. And Dr. Craig Farnsworth is a optometrist by trade, but a fantastic uh, putting guru. Obviously the putt doctor is what he's known for, but he's, yeah. he's taught me so much about visualizing. He's taught me so much about, you know, getting a player over a putt to see straight as straight. I've adopted that as like my mantra with putting is a player has to set up, they have to look down their line and they have to be able to see straight as straight. And obviously the ball curves because of slope, grain, wind. And, you know, for the most part, when you get a player that, you know, needs to create visualization, um, you know, I, I think it, it really is, uh, it's an art. I, th- I think a lot of people can't do that but it can be learned. Um, you know, I, I do some pretty creative things. I, I, I talk to players about um, ba- basically a, like a jet vapor trail. So, you know, a, a plane takes off and there's a vapor trail behind the actual plane. And what that does, it leaves kind of an imprint on whether the plane's turning left or turning right or going straight. And, you know, being up here in Portland the other day, I saw this jet take off literally it was a fighter jet take off from pdx and it literally went straight up and there's a vapor trail that's literally going straight up and it was shocking to watch this yeah but you know i have to basically take that analogy and that visual because i'm extremely visual and i have to take a player and say hey you know what we have to we have to get you in the trees and when you're in the trees and you have to hit a punch shot that requires you to grab your five iron and you have to hit it 25 feet off the ground and you have to hit it a hundred yards and the ball has to curve left to right or right to left. You have to first paint the picture and you could actually take your hand and you could actually take your hand and actually like imagine it's the plane and you can create that vapor trail 
with your hand so your eyes can at least see it. Now your eyes saw that ball flight. Now you have to take a practice swing based on some modifications to your setup. And the, the swing has to obviously, uh, I guess the, the swing has to be able to first be practiced. You have to be able to pull the shot off when you are kind of in that mindset of just working on the range or say you're working on that, that shot to prepare yourself for recovery shots. But, you know, you got to be able to, to see it first, then you got to be able to execute it second. And I, I think, you know, there's, there's probably too many players, probably too many junior golfers that are standing on a range trying to hit straight seven irons after straight seven irons after straight seven irons without any big misses. When you look at like, you know, I don't know how old you are, Matt, but when Tiger was coming up, Tiger was always talking about how he'd hit the essentially the different ball flights and he would hit curving yep. shots from right to left, curving shots from left to right. He'd hit them high. He hit them low. So, you know, I know Justin Thomas uh, is standing on ranges these days and he's taking that same that same blend in shot making into his consideration because he wants to be able to flight it opposed to hitting every single shot straight and perfect. He needs to understand, you know, how to control the golf ball. And I, I think that's probably one thing that a player needs to do is, you know, paint the picture and then practice on a range environment, how to hit low left to right, right to lefts, and then, you know, change ball flight and change the trajectory based off the club and ball position and all those sorts of things. But yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, for the purpose of this show, I mean, just listening to you talk and, and paint that picture, just over a microphone, you know, of vapor trail and, you know, talking through some of those scenarios in the trees. I mean, I think that really helps uh, people visualize kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you talk about practice shots. Uh, I used to have this instructor uh, that I worked alongside that I can't remember exactly how he termed it, but you basically take eight balls and you had your think box and you had your, let's call it your execution box. So, you know, your first four balls are you're you know working on something uh mechanically and then the next four you're hitting a shot like you're on the course and you're out there you know really picking a target and this is the shot to the hole uh you're executing visualizing that first executing that shot uh, what kinds of ideas can you give the audience about just how to set up their practice time when it comes to this topic yeah, that's a great question because I don't think golfers in general, I know that's probably a pretty pretty interesting topic for a lot of different players, but players don't practice with really any effective plan in place. And I'm, I'm going to stereotype golfers in general. There's probably a lot of people that really do practice quite well. But, you know, if, if a player has, let's just face it, if a player has 30 minutes because they're super busy and they've got kids and jobs and schedules to hit and they only have 30 minutes, then this plan is going to be modified. But typically golfers that are serious about their game, they probably devote a good hour of their time towards practicing. And I, I've always, I've written some articles about this and I feel like what I at least try to get a player to realize and understand is if they have a devoted amount of time, they can't, just go to a putting green, throw balls on a green and hit putts to the hole because that's succeeding and failing. Like they're making the putts or they're missing the putts. And when I right. use succeeding and failing, like the vast majority of putts, let's face it, you're going to miss putts. And so you're failing and you're teaching yourself to fail. So I'll come back to that in a minute and vice versa. The player who just goes and takes a large bucket of balls and bangs balls on a range for 45 minutes without really any purpose, without really any plan, um, I feel is ineffective time. And, and so like what I tell players is if you have an hour, and that's again, my baseline for this, take your first 20 minutes and take this 20, first 20 minutes and just apply uh, some performance putting drills. So you're working on putting for 20 minutes where you're not hitting the ball to the hole, you're just putting a tee in the ground and you're hitting the golf ball 10, 20, and 30 feet away from the tee, then back to the tee, and you're just working on speed, pace, distance control. Like, yep. at the end of the day, you're hitting balls away from the tee and then back to the tee, and you're getting feedback on your speed performance. And I think that's, sure. that's pretty interesting just to at least start with. You could do some, some drills that are uh, start line drills, but you don't have to hit the ball to the hole. You just still, again, 
have a T as a reference point. You're not, it's not the, the do or die situation. If you make the putt or miss the putt, kind of a different way of looking at it. So 20, yep. 20 minutes is going to fly by. And next thing you know, you've worked on some speed drills, some start line drills. Maybe you hit the ball off center. So you're working on just striking the ball more in the center of the putter face. Like all that's good. Um, a lot of junior golfers benefit from this putting aid called Putfidence. And I use this this big yellow golf ball and it literally feels like it's about five times the weight of a real golf ball, but it rolls like a golf ball. It's unbelievable. And I, I know the the team with Putfidence, uh, they're, they're trying to get the junior golf world to really get behind this tool. And it's something that's really helped a lot of my players, even uh, gals like Aaliyah, she carries one in her bag. Uh, all the time and I think it's pretty cool that that she's out there at a college level pulling this thing out and working on it but yeah and just real quick too like for those of you that are listening I mean um, if you don't know what Sean's referring to uh, you did a spot on golf uh, channel academy I think using this uh, training aid didn't you correct I did Okay. So yeah, you guys could go out there and take a look at that too. And just kind of, you know, really be able to see what he's talking about with that. Yeah. So Matt, so, you know, your first 20 minutes is putting your next 20 minutes is something related to short game. It might be a a green side chip. It might be a little bit uh, bigger, slower moving uh, golf club that kind of reminisces like a pitch shot where you actually feel like the golf club is traveling more like in an L to L or a, a nine o'clock to three o'clock working on a green side pitch, maybe working on a green side bunker shot. Uh, but that second 20 minute segment has a plan. You're going to work on 15, 30, 45, 60 yard shots. If you have that, you know, if you have the luxury of, of, you know, that practice area and those types of conditions um, have a plan for what you're actually working on. And then by the time you get to the driving range, you've got 20 minutes which is your final 20 minutes to go through your bag, hit full wedges, nine iron, seven iron, five iron rescue, you know, fairway wood driver, and then work your way back from the driver all the way to that scoring wedge. And you know, I, I think the 20, 20, 20 rule that I have always have helped players with, that's for, but if you don't have your golfers don't, you know, warm up that way prior to a tournament and spend 10 minutes on putting 10 minutes on short game, 10 minutes on full swing, leave yourself 10 minutes to walk to the first tee. And I, I feel like that's an effective use of yeah. time because it wants the development of all the game that need to be addressed, need to be worked on. Cause most people, they neglect putting most people neglect, you know, even ever sure. thinking about hitting a pitch shot or a bunker shot. And in reality, they totally need to refine and make sure that their putting and their and their wedge game is dialed in because you're you're probably going to miss eight to ten greens, and if you miss eight to ten greens, your scrambling is going to be ultimately tested. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes, yeah, like you said, it, putting becomes a little bit of an afterthought in practice or in warmups, and you know, it's definitely you know, you're half your shots. Uh, or roughly, you know, a little bit less than half your shots every uh, round yeah, or absolutely on the putting green, right? So, and and something else too to help you guys, you know, as you're trying to figure out, you know, what some of those practice routines look like or warm up routines pre tournament, you know, go Google, you know, some of the top players that are out there. Um, they've started putting a lot of videos out, kind of on a time clock of how these guys are warming up prior to tournaments. So it's you know. X amount of putts, X amount of 54 degree wedges, you know, and they're just going, like you said, they're going through the bag, they're hitting different shots, you know, recreating some scenarios yeah. probably in their mind um, just to prepare and get you know, ready I like for that. Golf Channel uh, does event. is like a little, well, I'm sorry. So the timeline of what they'll, they'll film the player coming in, uh, they're walking out to the house. Next thing you know, they're on the range. This is seven minutes later after they arrive. A, a swing trainer like a super speed trainer to phil mickelson's notorious for this and he swings it right and left-handed and he moves super fast to prepare his body for the type of speed he's generating and the swings that he's going to change and you know then it goes to the 40 foot putts and then 20 foot putts and 10 foot putts and then next thing you know um he hits every single you know, pre-tournament warm-up with him 
prepare himself for feeling the face move into the golf ball, you know, and, and then, and then the player, you know, yep. their short game wedge play full swing process. The next thing you know, they venture back to the putting green right before they, next thing you know, they're off warmed up dialed in. I mean, that's like, to your point, you know, you, Aaron Wise, uh, Aaron was, uh, essentially he was a six, seven, six, seventh and eighth grader. And I mean, that, that kid right now is practice does. It's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of juniors in Las Vegas that I coach that are actually paying attention to Aaron. And so whatever he does, they're going to model, they're going to, yeah. They're going to do some speed training with the mirror. They're going to vary the length of their backstroke if they need to hit other distances. And, um, you know, if you see a tour player doing it, I mean, if it works for obviously going to work for, for a lot of different players too. So it's what players are doing for the public. They get to, you know, they get to show the public, look, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, those, those are the exact videos that I was referring to. I think it's just neat to visualize and see, you know, how those guys are spending their time preparing and, and getting ready um, leading up to, you know, actually right. teeing off in their tournament rounds. So pretty neat stuff. Um, I want to go back to putting for a minute. Uh, we're talking about visualization. I know that you're a level three aim point express and putt doctor certified instructor. Mm-hmm. You talked about putt doctor a little bit. Um, can you kind of go into aim point and putt doctor and uh, just talk about some of your beliefs yeah, so, around those uh, systems? Aim points, uh, you well recognized by Adam Scott and Justin Rose and Tommy Fleetwood and all these players, all these, you know, Dustin Johnson's caddy and boatloads of caddies, uh, LPGA tour as well. And tons of these college players across the country. We've, we've got, um, We've got the the entire world scattered with with trained aim players, and you know every has uh, putting and green reading focused instructors. And you know there's there's a putting and, and green reading and aim point certified instructor in your area, wherever you you listeners are at. And generally, they're you know every year we we come together and we share our best practices, and we um, you know we we go through. The experience. We want to make the game enjoyable for players. We want that is a, a 20 handicap, and we want a tour player that's a plus two handicap to come in and be able to take something tangible away from their experience during an aim point training. And, you know, it all starts with, um, you know, an understanding that slopes are either flat, they're slightly tilted, slopes and training point based system uh it has nothing to do with hanging a putter it has nothing to do with using a fancy ball mark that points uh the golf ball in the direction that uh it says that you should aim you literally have to do this on your own without any tools when you're out playing and that's the beautiful part to it it's uh it's a green reading system that takes 10 seconds uh whether you've got a a, a two foot putt, a tap in putt, or a 80 foot putt that breaks three different directions. Uh, literally again, there's, there's, there's solutions making and the decision-making has to be pretty quick and you have to commit to it. And I think that's, that says a lot because a player has to really commit and they have to buy into their green reading approach so they can really have that, that commitment to their process. Sure. And, you know, Inpoint's in been a big part of my career since 2009. Mark Sweeney's taken me completely under his, his wing. Uh, incredible. Where Aimpoint Technologies has gone from the, you know, the virtual putting technology days to Aimpoint Midpoint, which was the old, complicated, more complex green reading approach. Putting and short game, like 
essentially a, a young to a, uh, I mean, it, um, that was put correctly, then I skills for them and they can learn how, uh, learn how to aim. They can learn straight is straight. Then we can work on speed distance control and, and they can learn how to stroke better. Okay. Like that is all of that stuff is yeah. possible because my training with, with Dr. Craig Farnsworth, um, I didn't have that skill set and taught me a, a bunch of things about, about, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I spent some my time in Hawaii and, you know, if, if I didn't have those guys in, in my career, um, I would probably be making a lot of guesses at what a player needs to be doing. And uh, I'm not really interested in having players guess. I want to see players make confident improvements to their putting game. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I know that, you know, you've got a lot of certifications when it comes to, you know, putting. We talk about aim point. We talk about putt doctor, um, blast motion, body track, even TPI. Like, there's just a lot of systems and tools out there, to your point, totally. that just take all the guesses. Yeah, I mean, out, right? I'll be honest with you. One of, my most, one of my most useful tools is a new addition to my coaching, and it's this, it's this hand and this wrist sensor. So the player puts it on their, their lead hand. So for a right-handed golfer, they'll have it on their left hand. And it actually measures their, the movements of their hand and their wrist, and it measures the movements that like relate to how the putter face is being delivered in the golf ball. And this tool is called Hack Motion, and it's just absolutely silly it's helped some of my like highly accomplished competitive players because I'm sorry, but before I, I couldn't see, yeah. I could see that the hand and the wrist was moving in a, in a, in a poor fashion that caused a breakdown, but I could never measure it. And so now if I'm able to take, let's just say if I have the right learner and the, the right student that could receive uh, technology well, and, and they're not going to get, you know, they're not going to get blown away if I show them something unique about how their hand and their wrist function. Some people can't work with technology. So if you feel like technology is going to scare you, it probably will, but you have to learn, like I said earlier in layers. So, you know, I, I might show a player how their hand and their wrist sure. in their putting stroke moves from extension to flexion, and then it moves back to extension and the putter face moves excessively up into the golf ball and they hit the ball really low on the putter face, which causes an array of mishits. And, you know, if, if I can use a little piece of technology mm -hmm. to help my coaching, but more importantly, my player get better with some objective that we're trying to get better with. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, take the player yep. beyond the, you know, the simple task. We're just trying to help us, uh, you know, help the ability of building a skill. And if, if that's possible through the use of a tool um, or a training aid or, you know, a coin on the back of a putter, I mean, that falls on the coach and the player to be very creative with their training time together. I mean, there's no rules when it comes to training. If, if you want to do something fairly creative to push the needle and help yourself get better, um, you know, I think the, the more creative a player and a coach could be, the better off they are. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about technology, being creative, um, you know, developing your game in terms of working with an instructor and stuff like that. I know that one of the things that you incorporate, too, and you're on the move a lot is online instruction. Can you yeah, talk I a mean, little bit about that and how it's evolved? Through a lot of, the, you know, the, the coaches in the world, I think, um, you know, for coaches that are teaching in a lot of different territories in the world, I definitely do a lot of online coaching when I'm back in Portland. Uh, I have uh, obviously poor weather conditions for the vast majority of the winter. Um, and I do have some, some indoor coaching opportunities up here, which is, is nice to have. But for the player that's down in California that needs me to take a quick look at their stroke, it's very simple because my app and my website allows for a player to send a video. Uh, they film that video. They either have it done by one of their players, their parents, 
but that video basically is sent to me and it's a face on view or it's a down the target line view or it's a up close view of their actual putter as it travels back and through. And all I really do is I look at that, that video, I upload it to my app and my website, and then I add a bunch of voiceover comments and then I draw some lines or some smiley faces or whatever the case may be that I feel like they need to work on. And then, you know, that's the feedback they get. And then I step foot in a, in a golf course setting and I actually give them a prescribed drill or a thought, or uh, maybe I'll use a piece of technology and show them uh, what they need to improve upon. And, you know, that online coaching, it's, um, you know, I, I, it's a minimal expense uh, to be quite honest with you, but I'll give, <clears throat> I'll give probably two or three reminders and support um, supporting feedback pieces for them to, kind of rely on whether that's putting related or short game or full swing related. And, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to do that on the go. And it's nice to be able to, to have a player that knows, look, this is a, this is a tool that I have with coach Sean and that all I have to do is film a stroke or a swing. And next thing you know, uh, I'm getting some solid feedback that's personalized for me. I'm not going to give a generic message for 25 players, but that one player gets one specific directed goal that, Hey, let's work towards this because this is what we see. This is why you're struggling, or this is why, you know, this happens with ball flight. Uh, But, you know, they get one directed goal and and ultimately just gives them some effectiveness to their focus. So there's more, there's more of a plan that's in place for them to work on. And okay, you know what, let's push, push the needle. Let's get where we need to go. Let's work on the right stuff. Let's get back to your practice plan. I always ask a player, what is your practice plan? What are you doing for that 30 minutes prior to warming up on the putting green or, or you know, your short game? And next thing you know, if, if they can't give a, a 60 second explanation, which I ask all the time, like, give me your 60 second, your elevator speech about what your practice plan is for putting. And if they can't give that to me, which very rarely happens, but it does happen from time to time, I'd be lying if it, if I said it always happens, if a player can't express and they can't explain what they're doing in regards to practicing and, and preparing themselves for better putting performance or better short game performance, there's a major problem because they, they haven't retained what, needs to be retained they haven't established the plan that sets them up for success and you know you as as uh parents and and players junior golfers out there as you're listening if if you're if your child or if you're junior golfer if they can't actually explain what they're working on then you know they they probably need to write it down they probably need to talk uh, out loud about how and what they're going to work on when they go to the golf course, because if you're just dropping them off, I guarantee you they're just going through the motions and they're, they're not effectively using their time yeah. to get the most out of their game. And, you know, at the end of the day, they might, they might burn themselves out because they're just kind of going through the motions. They get bored. Uh, and again, you can create practice plans and, and those things again um, are, I, I think they're, they're vitally important for players, players of all skill levels and, and ages and all that good stuff. Yeah. And you hit on it a little bit too, but I was going to say, you know, are you, are you hitting all the points with yeah. the what, the why, and the, and the how? And it sounds like, you know, that's a really good spectrum to cover all three of those points so that you really get a 360 understanding of what you're doing and yeah, why you're absolutely. doing it Without and how you're going to do it. Right. Good deal. Um, well, I want to be conscious of your time. I want to move uh, a little bit towards wrapping up, but uh, I know that Folds of Honor and Patriot Golf Schools are something that are, are important to you. Yeah, and so just want you to talk I've about recently that. joined the Patriot Golf Foundation and our new Patriot Golf Schools, which is tied in with Folds of Honor. And obviously there are guys like Martin Hall and Laird Small and uh, Skip Kendall. And obviously our, our dean of instruction is Mike Malaska. And, you know, this was all possible because Seth Glasgow, who's a, a friend and a mentor of mine, um, he teaches in Southern California, him and Ted Simons um, formed this and they, they put this together. And obviously military veterans and families have the opportunity to directly benefit from Patriot Golf Schools. And so we, you know, we have a foundation, we have a, um, 
we have this this uh, this company that basically is coming in the month of March, and they're actually matching donations. They're matching donations uh, that basically are um, provided for Patriot Golf Schools and the foundation. And you know, obviously, we put on golf schools all over the country. We've had one in Southern California, one in Arizona. We have our next one at the Reunion Resort in uh, Florida, not far from you. And, you know, we're, sure. we're bringing all these all yep. these corporate businesses in and they're enjoying these golf schools. But we also have, you know, these events that are kind of tied into what the uh, military veterans and these these families these that have been so affected by these tragedies. And so when we give them the opportunity to get back to enjoying the game, learning uh, something about the game of golf that gets them back uh feeling like, you know what, I'm playing golf. And, you know, it's rewarding, obviously, from that respect. And it's 100% tax deductible for corporations that actually want to donate some money towards a a greater cause. And obviously, this is pretty sweet when we can get, uh, you know, disabled vets, wounded warriors, all these different types of groups that have such an impact on you know, the military veterans, I think, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm very blessed to be involved with that. But uh, I think in reality, you know, working, we're working really hard within the, the golf industry to help create awareness for, you know, how more people can, um, A, they can donate, how we can continue to grow the game and, and help, you know, all these great people that, uh, you know, put, they put their life on the line for, for all of us Americans. And, you know, next thing you know, you know, they're, now affected by something that happened in their life and so we have a chance to kind of pick them up and get them back where they want to be and and enjoy the game and i think there's a lot a lot of great stuff that comes out of that yeah that's awesome uh there's actually a student that i used to work at uh work with when i was at img academy and um he put on a, a tournament an event last year uh in conjunction with the folds of honor just to you know raise money for uh, veterans, um, in, in that organization. So yeah, that's, it's really cool. Really cool. Um, all right. So I think we've covered a lot of really good information, you know, from visualization to practice time to just talking about, you know, in general, some things that young players can do to develop. Is there anything that you would add that's, that we haven't covered, um, that you think's, super important for parents or for yeah, you know, young I, developing players? I think the players. most important thing that, you know, parents have to know their roles. And I had a, a I'd call it a little bit of a painful conversation for, with a junior golfer um, who, you know, has a challenge with, with her dad. Her dad, I think, has so much good in him. Uh, and he's, he's so passionate about her success. And I, I think he's, he's doing all the right things. Um, but it comes across to her as criticism and complaints and everything she's doing wrong. And it, it's hard. I can see in her eyes, she's emotional about this because, you know, her performance in tournaments affects him so much. And I think for parents out there, because of this sure. experience I had, I told, I told this young lady and her mom the other day, I said, I need to have a conversation with him because when he goes to a tournament and he is taking notes about your performance or like say a parent's watching a seven-year-old, like say Larry is watching Macklin play uh, at a U.S. kids golf event. The number one thing to realize is all of the mistakes that the player makes, it's not the player's fault. And that's, that's where I realized something. I, I told this young lady, I said, the mistakes that you made, those are my fault. I'm your swing coach. I'm your putting coach. I'm your short game coach. Those are my problems to deal with. Those are not your problems to deal with. And so the, the dad will, him and I are going to have another conversation, but he will eventually again, have to understand that, look, all of the problems that she had in her tournament, if, she, if there truly are concerns, you got to bring those directly to me. And she doesn't need to hear one thing that's negative about her performance or her score or the amount of putts or greens hit. Like I have to, I have to construct a plan for how we're going to turn those negatives into a positive. And at the end of the day, like I always tell players, like you take credit for your good shots. I'm taking credit for every single thing that goes wrong. And if most of the time, all these high level players, I am their putting and short game coach. So when they're not hitting greens and I'm looking at stats and data, 
it's not my fault. That's their full swing coach. And it certainly isn't their fault. They have to have a better plan led by their full swing coach that sets the tone for them to be better off. And if, if they're struggling around the greens and they can't get up and down and their putting numbers are just in the gutter, that's my fault. I'm going to take full responsibility. We're going to construct a completely different plan so that they can actually move forward and get things back on track. So, you know, I think the parents have in, in like summary, the parents have to know their role and they have to be just a support system. They got to pick the kid up when the kid falls down and they got to get the kid just, okay, you know what? We're here to support you whether you hit a good shot or a bad shot. And this is a super difficult topic to talk about, but I, fe I feel like the vast majority of, of golfers, literally, all they're doing right now is, is they're being so criticized for their performance or lack thereof. And honestly, like the junior golfers, I mean, we're only, I, I don't know how the game of golf is doing in the country, but if, it continues to go that direction where every junior golfer is reprimanded for bad days on the golf course. Like, I'm sorry, we're not going to have more golf courses opening up. Golfers are going to be leaving the game each and every day. And, yeah. you know, we're trying to help, you know, these younger players like see the joy in the game and like play, play the game and enjoy like the walk and enjoy the scenery and enjoy playing competitive, competitive golf where your heart's beating out of your chest. Like those are like the super, super rewarding things, but I just feel like the parents have a lot to learn, but the coaches also have to dictate that. And I feel like that's why I've been successful is because look, you know what? It's, it's not the parent's responsibility to point out all these things. You have to have a relationship with that kid at the end of the day. Sure. Like they're coming to me because this is business. Like I'm their coach. You can fire me at any point if I don't, if I don't create results, but you know, that player needs to, Essentially, they need to have one person telling them a plan. And unfortunately, I don't spin everything to a negative side. I don't tell the player that, you know, you, you did this crappy and you did that crappy. It's literally, okay, I'm going to take this negative and I'm going to spin it into a plan and a solution. And that's, that's my deal as I create, you know, a, a plan and a solution for pretty much everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a fun game, right? But it's a difficult, it's a challenging game. It's a super mental game. So, I mean, even though those are tough conversations, you know, kids are, I think at the end of the day, they're trying to please coach. They're trying to please mom and dad. Um, you know, the more that coach and parents are on the same page or communicating between each other um, and kind of that division of roles and responsibilities is clear cut it just alleviates some of that pressure from the young player. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, Sean, I really appreciate your time. Uh, something that I've kind of flipped towards doing uh, in the last month or so is uh, tossing the, the uh, I guess, question cue over to the guest and um, just ask you to fire a question at me. It's something that uh, some of the feedback that I've gotten from listeners are just, curious to learn a little bit more about what's going on and, and me. And I just uh, want to give you an opportunity to do that. Well, I think the thing that jumps off to me is, you know, really on when we first met, um, you know, you mentioned your passion for the game. And I think, um, you know, where your passion's from and why you've got involved in this podcast and, you know, obviously this, um, this Instagram relationship that you and I met, I, I'd say like, you know, where did your passion, how did your passion for golf start? You know, your journey where you got, I, I don't know you at all Yeah. besides the things that I've looked at, but like, where did your passion for, for golf start yourself as a, as a kid or as an adult? Yeah. As a kid. I mean, I would say that, um, so my dad is a, is a really good player. My dad played college golf at Ole Miss, um, he grew up uh, at a young age on a small nine hole golf course that my grandfather bought when my dad was probably 10 years old. So ever since I could stand pretty much, I had a club in my hand. And um, so I just developed a passion for the game that way. I played a ton of sports growing up. Um, so I developed a lot of different skills, uh, but golf really became the front runner for me. Um, and has become a good relationship builder with my dad also. And, um, you know, after college, I went into the financial services industry and, uh, was, did very well there and enjoyed it, but there was just something that was missing. 
And um, for me, kind of a, a turning point in my life was a few years ago, uh, a buddy of mine passed away unexpectedly mm-hmm. on the golf course, just dropped on like the sixth hole. Um, and that was, it hit me really hard. And um, I made a decision at that point, or I guess I just asked myself the question of, are you doing what you want to be doing right now? Because um, you only get one crack at life and uh, you know, not like I was doing anything wrong or, you know, misguided or anything like that, but it was like, you know, are are you happy with everything that's going on with you? And uh, when I took a step back, I wanted to change, you know, what I was doing for a living and um, created an opportunity to kind of bridge my sales experience with my passion for youth athletics and golf specifically. I coached little league baseball for uh, about 10 years. Um, So I had a passion for teaching young people and, I just believe that the game of golf is uh, very similar to the game of life in a lot of regards. And I think that it can be a really good uh, building block for young people and anybody that takes up the game. There's a lot of lessons to learn through the game of golf. So uh, I recruited junior players at an academy for a few years and had an opportunity to move over to uh, build a tournament on the corn Ferry tour, which I'm doing now, uh, but still wanted to stay tied to junior golf. And that's why I started this project. So, um, Very cool. yeah, just a way for me to try to give these families and these kids that are listening, uh, a platform and a resource so that they can navigate their own journeys. That's, that's absolutely awesome. Great explanation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but it's been a blast talking with you. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Any, anytime you ever want to discuss, uh, junior golf and topics uh, to help others out. I'm always here to help. Thanks. I really appreciate it, Sean. Thanks for having me. All right. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Well, that wraps up episode 29 of junior golf keys with our guest this week, Sean Lanyi. Uh, Thank you everybody for tuning in. Sean, thank you for taking some time to chat with us and bring some value to this audience. Uh, Audience members, I appreciate you tuning in uh, week after week, like I said earlier. And uh, let's try something a little bit different this week. Let's, uh, I'm really curious in what your takeaways are from this episode. So um, if you would tweet at Junior Golf Keys what your biggest takeaway was from this episode this week, I'd really appreciate it. Give me some good feedback around uh, what you took away and what things we can continue to uh, bring to the table so that you guys have some value that you need to continue to navigate your junior golf journeys as players and as parents, uh, as a collective family. So um, thanks again. I really appreciate it. As I always ask, um, if you took some value away from this episode, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.